Welcome to Working the Word with Jonathan Vorse. Join us now for service already in progress at Lakewood Church of God. I'm on this series. We started this series uh, last week, and uh, it's a series that I feel like the Lord had been leading me uh, to share for a little, a little while now, and He finally gave me the green light on when to do it, and I'm on a series called Grow, so we're on this Grow series. Uh, Last week I talked to you about the importance of just standing. Sometimes you just have to stand. And sometimes standing is enough, isn't it? Shared with you a lot of scripture about that. Today I'm going to talk to you about grading yourself. If we're going to grow, we have to take personal inventory of where we are. We have to take responsibility for where we are. We have to come to the realization of who we are and whose we are. And based upon those principles, we need to grade ourselves and ask ourselves, are we doing the very best that we can in order to continue to grow? And so the Lord has given me five questions to share with you today, and we're going to talk about them, and we're going to take some personal inventory today, and we're going to grade ourselves, okay? All right, let's just pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the way that it challenges us. Touch me to be able to accurately and... and, and with influence, I guess you might say, Lord, deliver this word effectively. God, we just give you praise and we thank you for it in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. I have chosen Romans chapter 12, verses 3 through 8. I'm going to read it out of the NIV this morning. Most of our, uh, most of our scriptures are out of the King James Version. But I'm going to read this one out of the NIV because it, I think it's easier for us to understand what we're trying to say. Okay, are you ready? Here we go. For by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function... So in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it's serving, then serve. If it's teaching, then teach. If it's to encourage, then give encouragement. If it's giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy... Do it cheerfully. So the Bible teaches us here in verse number 3 of Romans chapter 12 that we are not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think, but, but we are to think with sober judgment according to the grace that God has distributed to each one of us, understanding that we are all part of the body of Christ and every single one of us have a particular part of that body that we need to function in. You see, the problem is there's a whole lot of people today, God's called you to be the ear, but you want to be the nose. God's called you to be the foot, but you want to be the hand. I'm using this as an example, obviously. So what happens is if we don't watch it, the body of Christ starts looking freakish. Have you ever thought about that? We all have to learn to stay in our place, to function with excellence in the area that God has called us and ordained us. And when we function in that area and quit trying to be something that we are not, then we position ourselves to grow and grow and grow in God and receive the blessing and the favor of God upon our life. One of the ways that we can discover this, is to examine ourselves. So we're going to grade ourselves. We're going to examine ourselves this morning. And the first question that I think that we should ask ourselves is this. Am I a good Christian example? Am I a good Christian example? Why would you say that, Pastor? Why would you ask that question? Because character matters. I said character matters. It matters whether you're a good Christian example or not. Conduct is the outward expression of the character that we carry. Conduct is nothing more than the symptom of your character. 
So if we conduct ourselves like a Christian, then we know that God is in our hearts. But if we conduct ourselves in a hellacious way, then we know that Satan is in our heart. Come on, I'm a pastor. I'm not an evangelist. So that means I'm a teacher. So I'm going to teach you how to grow in God. So we have to examine ourselves and we have to ask ourselves, what does my conduct look like? Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 6 is a great place for us to look. The Bible says this in the King James Version, Judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged, and with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye? Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite. This was the words of Jesus. He said, Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and when thou shalt see clearly to cast that, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Now there's a difference between judging and there's a difference in fruit inspecting. The Bible said that we know people by the fruit that they bear. So I tell people I'm not a judge, but I am a fruit inspector. And so whatever is coming out of that person's life is an indication of what's in their character. It's an indication of what's in their heart. And if godly things are coming out of their heart and godly things are coming out of their character, then I know they've got the hookup. I know that they are connected to God, that they're hooked up to God. But listen, the Bible says that Satan is the accuser of the brethren. And he's the one that will judge you and try to beat you down and defeat you and destroy you Listen, there's nothing wrong with judgment unless you're on, if you're on the right side of that judgment. When judgment becomes wrong is when we use it as an advantage for us against someone else. And so what we have to do is we have to say, Lord, I'm going to leave the judging to you. Now, I'll inspect the fruit, but God, I'm going to leave the judging to you and I'm going to maintain my character in a way where Christ is exalted and Christ is exemplified and Jesus Christ is lifted up. So we have to ask ourselves, am I a good Christian example? What does my conduct look like? Because conduct is the outward expression of my personal character. We're called to shine. We're called to shine brightly for Christ. This passage of Scripture here, Revelations chapter 3, talks about the church at Laodicea. And God was saying to them, I would that you were cold or hot because if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. How many of you have ever drank lukewarm coffee? Now let me say it like this. How many of you have ever drank lukewarm coffee thinking it was hot? I mean, what a, what a wake up, right? What a wake up call. I'll tell you something that happened to me the other day. I reached over and got this glass and I took a drink of it thinking it was water and it was Sprite. You talk about waking you up. It woke me up. But Jesus was saying there, God was saying there, if you're lukewarm, I'm going to spew you out of my mouth. So here's what God is saying. He's like, I want you committed or not committed. You can't be one foot in the world, one foot in the church, one foot in the Word, One foot over, you've got to be completely committed. If you're not committed, if you're not committed to God, if you're not committed to Him, then you're going to be committed to something else. Your loyalties are going to lay somewhere. And a lot of times where your loyalties lay is an indication of the character that you carry. So my encouragement to you today is let the fire of God invade your life. Just get turned on to God. Get cranked up for God and let that take care of your character. The second question that we need to ask ourselves is this. What do my harvest look like? See, you are living today on the harvest of the seeds that you planted uh, in previous days. So if you want your harvest to be different, then you have to plant different seeds. Well, what do you mean by that, Pastor? Here's what I mean by that. 
The Bible says that we're supposed to be kind to one another. One another. That's Ephesians 4 and verse number 32. And be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. You know what that tells me? If I sow kindness, I'm going to reap kindness. If I sow something that is contrary to kindness, if I sow chaos, I'm going to reap chaos. And so whatever I want to reap tomorrow are the seeds that I need to be sowing today. So if I want kindness from my brothers and sisters, if I want peace tomorrow, if I want joy tomorrow, then I need to be sowing those seeds of joy and kindness and, and, and those things today. Now in the book of Hosea, chapter 8 and verse number 7, they, the Bible says this, For they have sown the wind, and they shall reap the whirlwind. Now I want to bring this out like I did in the first service. Many times this passage of Scripture is misquoted. For Here's what people say. Well, the Bible says in the book of Hosea that if you sow to the wind, you'll reap the wind. That's not what the Bible says. The Bible does not say if you sow to the wind, you'll reap the wind. The Bible says if you sow the wind. So in other words, if you're the instigator of the chaos, if you're the person that stirs things up, if you're the person that creates the pot or offers the pot to other people to stir and then you start stirring things, if you do that, the Bible said if you sow the wind, if you start it, guess what? You're going to reap the whirlwind. That's what the scriptures say. So if I sow gossip, I'm going to reap a whole bunch of gossip because I always reap more than I sow. If I sow chaos, then I'm going to reap a whole bunch of chaos. If I sow bad conduct, I'm going to reap a whole bunch of bad conduct. Now let's talk about it differently. Let's talk about it like this. What if I sow joy? <laughs> then that joy comes back to me like a whirlwind. Right? What if I sow peacemaking? The Bible said that peacemakers are blessed. What if I sow peacemaking? Then that, the, the results of that comes back to me like a whirlwind. So what if I start a blessing? In other words, instead of praying and saying, Lord, bless me today, what if I get up every morning and say, Lord, who can I bless today? Lord, why don't you send somebody along my way that I can bless today? You say, well, I just don't have the wherewithal to do that. Sure you do. You never know what that pat on the back, you never know what that smile, you never know what that, hey, let me get the coffee of the person behind me in the drive line, you know, going through Starbucks or whatever. You never know how that's going to bless somebody. You never know what, how it's going to bless somebody. If you're sitting in a restaurant somewhere and you see a first responder over there having dinner and you talk to the waitress and you say, give me their ticket and just tell them God loves them. You don't have to tell them that I'm the one that paid, but just tell them that God, you never know what people are going through. Sometimes we judge people because of their conduct and what we don't understand is their conduct is the symptom of what they're going through. Never judge a man uh, or a woman until you've walked a mile in their shoes. If we sow to the wind, we'll reap the wind. Or if we sow the wind, we'll reap the wind. And, and so what we need to do is we need to sow the kinds of seeds. If I'm not satisfied with the kind of harvest that I'm receiving in my life today, then that means I need to change the things that I sow. So, you know, I, when, when we were talking about, about going on television... You know, I, I, just, I just need to, you know, I just need to make a confession here. I'm one of those guys that just don't watch a whole lot of Christian TV. You know why? Because I can't stand the fake. I can't. It frustrates me. Listen, I'm real. I love God to my core. I do. And I love God and I want to help other people love God. I want to help people grow in God. And if going on Christian television means that we have to be bright lights and big city and all flashy and all of these kinds of things, I'm just not interested in it. Because I don't want to present something to someone that they cannot reproduce in their own life as the week goes by. I want to inspire people to live for God. And I've been around a whole bunch of them that are on television. I've been in their little green rooms. I've been there listening to them talk. I've listened to them talk about how, well, if we do that and we do that and all this kind of stuff, and I've listened to the man manipulation of it all. And when we started talking about it, I just started thinking, ugh, you know. But then it began to, to dawn on me, you know something? The world needs to hear about Jesus from somebody who knows him. 
The world needs to hear about Jesus from somebody who, who cares about the world coming into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're not going to sow flash, flashy ministry. We're not going to sow bright lights. We're going to do things with excellence. And we've put together some of the programs already, and they look great, and they're excellent. But it's not flashy. It's not bright lights. It's not big city because we have got to help people come into a relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. So we're going to sow the word into them and believe God for the harvest of the word in their life. Now let's continue talking about our harvest. What did my harvest look like? Is my harvest still in formation? Several years ago, we had a very large garden up in Kentucky where we were pastoring. We came from Kentucky eight years ago, and, and we had been in Kentucky for 17 years, and we had this large garden. We were in a country setting. And the corn wasn't coming up the way that I wanted it to. It just didn't look right to me. So I went down to the feed store, started talking to them at the feed store. They shared a few little things with me about it. And then uh, there was an old guy in our church. He told me, he said, Pastor, I'll tell you what's wrong with your corn. I said, Why, what's that? So I can't even remember what it was. But he said, you need to go down to the feed store. You need to get this such and such. You need to spread it out there, toss it out there. Because the soil in these parts is lacking this nutrient that the corn needs. And so I went and I got that stuff and I tossed it out there for a couple of weeks like he said to and kept watering it, kept weeding it, kept it tilled up, kept it looking good and all of that. And that corn just shot up and it just looked better than anyone else's corn in the area. And that wasn't the goal to get it looking better. I just wanted it produced. But it did. I mean, it, I mean, people were driving down the road 55 mile an hour and they would hit their brakes to look at the garden that God again. And there's another story about that garden too. Listen, we were in a drought. We were in a big drought. We were in a huge drought. I mean, the earth was cracking open. Farmers were having to shoot some of their cattle because their feet would go into the cracks and twist and, and, and break their little ankles. And so they would have to, you know, butcher the cows and, and things like that. I mean, we were in some kind of drought. Well, a lot of the gardens, a lot of the fields around there were just, they were just depleted. And so, uh, but my garden, it was just thriving. My goodness, it was kicking, man. I mean, it was thriving. And so one day it's like, and it hadn't rained in probably almost two months. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say it was close to two months. And so one day, it's about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and I'm walking through that garden just praying, and I look down, and around every single plant there was a wet spot about that big around. And I thought, dear Lord, what in the world is going on here? And the scripture came to my mind, where the Bible said that in the time of famine, Isaac sowed and received a hundredfold. And I thought, dear God, the blessing of God is on this garden. God is watering my garden. I went and I got my son. I said, Jeremiah, come here. you got to look at this. And so, so he comes and like this three in the afternoon, you know, the it's, it, some people say, well, it was due. Not at three in the afternoon. Not a three minutes. So I said, Jeremiah, come here. And so he came out there and we're walking through this. I said, look down there. Look at those plants. And he looked and he saw it too. He said, what is that, Daddy? I said, son, I said, God is watering our garden. And that garden produced and it produced and produced and produced. And we were able to feed so many different people from the church and from the community. And I mean, we were putting baskets of tomatoes and stuff like that just out by the road for people to just stop and pick up free. You can have them. Come and get them. Why? Because of the blessing of the Lord. Well, here's the thing. Couldn't have done that. In the beginning, when the plants were starting to come up, when the, when the buds were on the little tomato plants, you know, we couldn't have done that because the harvest was still in formation. And this is a lesson that we have to learn. Many times people give up on their harvest when the harvest is still in formation. And here's my point that I want to make here is we got to learn to remain faithful when our harvest is in formation. So we have to ask our question, what do my harvest look like? What do my harvest look like? What is my life producing? What is my living for God producing? What is being produced inside of my family and inside of my life? And then if I'm not producing what I think I should be producing, then at what stage is this harvest in? Is it still in formation? And then we got to ask ourselves this, is the harvest ready to be reaped? So many people don't reap their harvest because they just don't go get it when it's ready to be reaped. 
No one else is going to reap your harvest for you. Reaping a harvest is work, but it's worth it if it's the right kind of harvest. John chapter 4, 35 says this, Say not ye there are yet four months, and then cometh harvest. Behold, I say unto you, look on the fields, because they are white already to harvest. So if it's time for God's blessing upon your life, if it's payday, if it's harvest time, then receive it with thanksgiving. You say, well, pastor, what do you mean by that? I mean, when the Lord tries to bless you, maybe through someone else, don't say, oh, no, no, that's okay, that's okay. That... No, get your harvest. Receive your harvest. There's a couple of reasons for that. Number one, God's trying to bless you. And number two, God's trying to bless them. And when you say, no, 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 then you're stopping them from planting the seed, which is actually your harvest, which is going to produce a better harvest for them down the road. So get involved in God's process and just bless people and let people bless you and just continue to be a blessing and live in this cycle that just goes round and round and round of God's blessing. Okay? Y'all with me? All right. Trying to teach you how to grow. Question number three. Whoa, let's go back. Question number three. That's Jeremiah. And that's my mother-in-law. I have to pick her up in Kentucky tomorrow. I'm going to pay for this all the way back. If you've seen some of the things she put on Facebook about me, my goodness, dear Lord. Okay, actually I had some other people's, you know, names with that, but I thought, well, this is safe, Jeremiah. Jeremiah's my son. Okay, question number three, do I have joy? Do I have joy? If I'm going to grow, do I have joy? Why do I want joy? Because joy, the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord helps you. It helps you emotionally. It helps you mentally. It helps you spiritually, which in turn helps you physically. And you're able to reap what you need from the Lord. Psalms 30 and verse number 5 says, Weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. Touch your neighbor and say, Joy cometh. Come on. Tell them. Joy comes. Joy cometh. It might not seem like it's coming right now, but joy cometh in the morning. Grief will not last forever. Pain in the name of Jesus will not last forever. Struggle and trial and tribulation and and, and difficult times will not last forever. Joy will come in the morning. You say, but pastor, I'm in the middle of a battle. I don't know what to do. Well, the battle is your invitation to victory. That's a word for somebody today. The battle is your invitation to victory. You can't have victory if you never fight a battle. So what am I supposed to do? Plan a victory party. Nothing frustrates the devil more than to know that you know that what the back of the book says. And the back of the book says that I win. The back of the book not only says that we win, the back of the book also says that he loses. That's what it says. I mean, it doesn't just say we win. It says he loses and he loses forever. So plan a victory party. So the enemy will try. He'll try every way in the world that he can to defeat you. He'll try every way in the world to depress you. That old scoundrel, he'll try everything in the world he can to beat you down and try to convince you that God's word doesn't mean what it says that it does. But God's word does mean what it says that it it does. And God's word says that the battle is not yours, that it's the Lord's. God's word says that no weapon formed against you will prosper. God's word says if God be for you, who can be against you? God's word says with man things are impossible, but with God all things are possible. What are you saying to me, pastor? Plan a victory party. Plan a victory party. The devil will be like, what in the world are they doing? Well, they're planning a victory party. Well, how come they're planning a victory party? I'm defeating them. No, 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 no. That's not what they think. Well, how come it's not what they think? Because they've read the back of the book. I don't, nah, 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 nah. I don't want to hear that. That's what the old devil's doing. Do I have joy? Keep your joy. Weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. So in the midst of your trouble, in the midst of your trial, in the midst of your pain, in the midst of your despondency, I want to encourage you to look forward to your victory. Come on, touch your neighbor and say, you've got the victory. 
Amen. Do I have joy? Do I have joy? Psalms 126, 1 through 6. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dreamed. You know, sometimes God has to turn things for us. Sometimes some of us need to experience the supernatural turning of God. Some of you guys, I'm I'm just sensing this in my spirit today. Some of you guys have been going through some things and you're wondering, when in the world is it ever going to end? You just need to pray that God turns it. You need to pray that he turns it. The Bible says here, when the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, we were like them that dream. In the book of Job, the Bible said that God turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. So when he quit focusing on the battle, when he quit focusing on the trouble, when he quit focusing on the trial, when he quit focusing on everything that he had lost, come on now, when he quit focusing on everything that he had lost and he started actually becoming outward, doing outward ministry and focusing on other people and praying for other people, then God turned the captivity of Job. God wants to turn you today. Sometimes we get, sometimes we get so wrapped up in where we are and what we're going through, in the battle that we're facing, in the trouble that we're going through, and in the trial that we're going through. And sometimes that's the only thing that we have in our focus. Here's what I want to encourage you to do. In the midst of your battle, just go try to bless somebody else. Just go try to pray for somebody else. I had a lady in my, in my first church in the early 90s in Cape Girardeau, Missouri, and she came to me one day, and she was down and, and, and out and despondent, and she fought depression a lot, and she came to me and she said, Pastor, I need to talk to you, and so we talked about it, and she said, I just don't know what to do, and I felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit. I was just 26 years old at the time in my first church, but I just felt the nudge of the Holy Spirit, and I told her, I said, I believe this is what the Lord is saying. I think that you need to go down to the local nursing home, And you need to walk down that aisle. And every time you feel the Lord pull you into a room, you need to go into that room and you need to be the biggest blessing that you can to those people. She came back and I thought, well, maybe she'll do this and maybe she won't. She came back about three hours later and her whole entire demeanor was different. I said, my goodness, Sharon, what in the world is... I said, you're doing much... She said, I left here and I went to the nursing home. And she said, I did exactly what you said to do. And she said, I walked down that aisle. And she said, the hallways. And she said, when I felt the pull of the Lord to go into a room, I would go in there. And she said, I went in there to bless them, but instead of blessing them, they blessed me. She said, I would reach out to try to pray for these people. And they would say, oh, honey, let me pray for you. And they would start praying for me. And they would try to start encouraging me. And she said, I started getting stronger and I started feeling better. You see, what happened was God turned that depression. God turned that discouragement because she started reaching outside of herself, outside of her situation, and she tried her best to be a blessing to whoever the Lord would let her be a blessing to. When the Lord turned again the captivity of Zion, Zion's the type of the church, we were like them that dreamed. Then was our mouth filled with laughter and our tongue with singing. Then said they among the heathen, The Lord hath done great things for them. They were raising such a ruckus that the heathen said, The Lord's done great things for them. They were laughing so much, singing so much, that lost people were identifying what was going on in their life as something that the Lord was doing. When's the last time that your lost neighbor heard you laughing and singing and worshiping and they said, well, the Lord must be blessing them? Doesn't happen, does it? The Lord hath done great things for us whereof we are glad. Turn. Come on, somebody say turn. Turn again our captivity, O Lord, as the streams in the south. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. Now, this right here is not as much instruction as it is a testimony. They're saying, They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth and weepeth, bearing precious seed, shall doubtless. Come on, somebody shout doubtless. Doubtless shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. 
So if I bear the precious seed, a seed that can fit between my finger and my thumb, if I bear that seed and I go forth and it's a precious seed and I plant that seed, then God's promise to me is that I will doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing sheaves back with me, and you have to open your arms wide to get them around a sheaf. Listen to me very closely. You always reap more than you sow. You always reap more than you sow. So pay attention to your sowing. All right, question number four. We have five questions. Question number four. In this process of growing, I need to ask myself, how God-sensitive am I? How revival-sensitive am I? What do you mean by that, Pastor? Maybe I should have put it like this. How much does God matter to me? How much does He matter to me? Is He in the driver's seat of my life or is He just a condiment upon my life? In other words, He's there if I want Him and need Him and if I don't, then that's fine. I can just... Do whatever I do. No, 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 no. God has to be a priority. God has to be a priority in our life. Not only does He want to be, He has to be. God has to be a priority in our life. And so we need to ask ourselves, am I hungry for a move of God? And some people might say, well, what does that mean? Am I hungry for a move of God? Do I have an appetite? Do I have a desire to see lost people give their life to Christ? People baptized with the Holy Spirit. Miracles taking place. The gifts and manifestations, the operations and the administrations of the Spirit of God working in the church today. How do I feel about the move of God? When God starts moving in the midst of the congregation, does that embarrass me? Come on. I know some people that they say no, but in their, in their mind they're saying, Yes, I brought my friend. I grew up in Buckwild Pentecost. You know what that is? I mean, old time, man. They ran the backs of the... I literally seen them run the backs of the pews. I seen one woman run around. They used to have Holy Ghost runaways. You know what a Holy Ghost runaway is? Anybody ever hear that? Hear that? Man, they'd take off running. They'd just run around the church. I seen this one lady. She was just going, man, she was getting it, man. She was just running, running, running. She'd come around this corner, and the altars didn't used to be up close to the stage. They used to be out in the middle so people could kneel from both sides. And she cut around the corner over there, and she came down, and she went down, and she hit her head on that altar. And I thought, and I was sitting right about there where Steve's at, and I thought, dear God, I'm about 13. I thought, dear God, she's dead. <laughs> she got up and just kept on going. She was fine. There's another guy, he took off, he's running down that aisle down there, got to the back, he hit the brakes like that, got over to the middle, he hit, because we had the middle aisle, you know, and he hit the brakes, hit his, you know, shoes, and uh, his shoes didn't grab, and they just kept sliding like that, and he went right through the back door. I mean, I grew up old time Pentecost. I did. They shouted, they danced, they worshiped, they praised God. They were wrong about a whole lot of things that they were teaching, but their hearts were pure. They loved the Lord. They did. They loved God. Uh, it, it never made sense to me. I'm, uh, I mean, there's, I, I just had so many questions, you know. They would talk about how that their hair, how, once they got married, had to be up, and they'd put it up with bobby pins. And then when the Holy Ghost got on them, they'd go like this, you know, and they were shouting like that, and their hair would just, and the bobby pins, if, we used to play count the bobby pins. That was our <laughs> game. We did. And I was always confused by that. I was always confused. Because I thought if God wants the hair on their head, then how come the Holy Ghost is shouting it down? It made no sense to me. And so I would ask questions like that, and I got in trouble a lot for some reason. <laughs> but I grew up in old-time Pentecost. And let me tell you something about those folks in old-time Pentecost. I love them dearly, and I respect them, and they were wrong about a lot of things when it came to outward appearance and, uh, and, and their definition of holiness and things like that. But I'm going to tell you something. Every single time they came to church, they were hungry for God. They were hungry for a move of God. You didn't come to church. When I was growing up in church, you didn't come to church and stand in the back and talk until church started and then come in five minutes after church started. You came to church, first thing you did, you came in the back door, you said, hi, how you doing? And you headed to the altar. 
and you knelt down and you prayed and people would just pray and pray and pray. And when you walked into the sanctuary, when I was growing up in church, when you walked in the sanctuary, you weren't hearing a whole bunch of people talking to each other. You heard the wail of the saints coming from the altar and they were crying out to God and praising God. And you know something? I think we've gotten too far away from that. I've said it over and over and over and over. You know, in, in, this, in this culture in which we live today, and I realize that things have changed, and I realize that, you know, we need to do whatever we need to do to try to reap the, the, the harvest of the culture in which we live, but we can't do it by sacrificing the non-variables. We need to be a praying church. We need to be a church that believes in the move of God, that believes in the power of the Spirit, and we've got to get hungry for that move of God again. Hungry for the move of God. we got to get so hungry that we're willing to pray, that we're willing to fast, that we're willing to give up the things that we love and the things that we want. we got to get so hungry for the move of God that we don't care if God begins to move on us and it makes the makeup run. That's okay, God. Run the makeup right off of my face. I don't care. I'm talking about you ladies, not us men. I've been in some churches... where men would kneel to pray because it would mess up their suit. I wanted to take a bottle of oil and just pour it over top of the head. Mess up the hair. No one can escape paying the price. If we want to see revival in our homes, if we want to see revival in our churches, if we want to see revivals in our cities, if we want to see revivals in our nations, in our, in our world, it has to begin with us. It has to begin with you. It has to begin with me. We have to get to the point where, okay, God, if you want to move, that's fine. And I'm not going to let myself get in the way. Lord, I'm not going to be embarrassed because of a move of God. I'm not going to be embarrassed because you want to shout someone. I'm not going to be embarrassed because you want to put someone in the floor, Lord. I'm not going to be embarrassed because someone comes and they're crying profusely because God's convicted their heart of sin and they come running to the altar to give their life to Jesus Christ and God turns their life around and changes them and, and just jacks them up from the floor up. God, I, that's fine, God. Go right ahead and do that. God, I'm okay with that. And I'm going to tell you as your pastor, I've been here for almost seven years now and we've watched this church go, grow from 17 people to what you see today and in the first service you put it together. We haven't done it. Now there's a spirit of excellence here, but we haven't done it by shut, shutting out the move of God. We go through cycles. I talk to the staff about it. We go through teaching cycles, we go through evangelism, evangelistic cycles. Teaching cycles, evangelistic cycles. And what happens is God attracts people to us and we have to teach them what the move of God is. We have to teach them what to expect because let me tell you something, not everybody grew up in old time Pentecost. And not everybody understands like in the first service when Moses was up here speaking in other tongues. Not everyone understands that, nor do they understand how it fits. And let me tell you something, there's a whole lot of places where it's completely out of hand. The Bible teaches about the proper use of tongues. You've got to get to the point where we're hungry for that. Hungry for the move of God. God... Just because I don't understand it doesn't mean it's not you. God, I'm hungry for the move of God. So I have to ask myself, am I expecting a move of God? Am I expecting to see lost people saved? Am I expecting to see believers filled with the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in other tongues? Am I expecting signs and wonders and miracles? Am I expecting these things? The Bible said in Mark chapter 16 and verse number 20, and they went forth and preached everywhere. And the next phrase is the biggest key of all, the Lord working with them. I can get up here and I can teach and I can preach and I can pray and, and, and all of these kinds of things for you. And I'll do that every single Sunday as long as you come because I'm addicted to the Word of God and I'm a teacher of the Word of God. But none of it is effective without the help of God. The Lord works with us. And then the Bible said this is how He does it. He confirms the Word with signs following. Last question. In this journey to grow, What does my prayer life look like? Are we serious about growing in God? Are we serious about becoming more than a newborn babe? The Bible said newborn babes desire the sincere milk, milk of the word that they may grow thereby. That's in Timoth, or that's in Peter. But then there's another place in the book of Corinthians where the Bible says that we are supposed to grow up 
into him in all things. What's wrong with a whole lot of people is they've never been taught how to grow up. Just because you've been in church for 30 years doesn't mean you're a spiritual grown-up. If you're still acting like an adolescent, pitching fits when you don't get your own way, they won't let me up there, that preacher won't let me up there to sing, and so I'm going to go somewhere else. You know, I sat there, came to church, sat there during the whole service and left, and that preacher didn't even say hi to me or bye to me. I think I'm a, He walked right past me too. Grow up. Come on, I'm not here to tickle your ears. I'm here to tell you the truth. Quit being a spiritual adolescent. Grow up. Get up in the morning, put your big boy pants on, And be a grown-up. Be a spiritual grown-up. Grow up into Him. Nothing will grow you up quicker than prayer. Because prayer is communication with the Lord. Prayer is communication with God. Communication is one part talking, two parts listening. We can take that principle and we can use it in every area of our life. Even when we're in conflict with someone else, if we'll talk half as much as we listen, many times we can get things resolved a whole lot quicker. When it comes to talking with God, when it comes to communication with the Lord, we need to listen twice as much as we talk. And some people say, well, God doesn't speak to me. Listen, God has a way of speaking to every single one of us and communicating to every single one of us in a way where we can identify that it's Him. Very seldom will you ever hear of anyone who has heard the audible voice of God on a consistent basis. I've only heard the audible voice of God two different times in my life, and I don't have time to get into them. I'm running out of time today. But God speaks in many different ways. Sometimes God speaks through what we call intuition. Sometimes God speaks through discernment. Sometimes God speaks to you in a conversation with your brothers and sisters. Sometimes God speaks to you. And I've had people say, well, God's never spoken to me. What about this? 66 books of God's words. They're not there for your entertainment. Come on. They're not there for your entertainment. They're there to shape you and to mold you and to make you into His image and after His likeness for you to come into the realization of who you are, your identity in Christ as a son of God. You hear it all the time around here, an heir of God, a joint heir with Jesus Christ. They tell you of your spiritual... It's the Word of God. This is God speaking to you. If you never hear His audible voice, pick up the Word of God and read it. That's God speaking to you. Jesus spent a lot of time in prayer. Jesus spent a lot of time teaching us how to pray. And the question is, are we doing what He taught us to do? Hebrews chapter 5, verse 7 in the NIV says, During the days of Jesus' life on earth, He offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save Him from death, and He was heard because of His reverent submission. Well, Pastor, I just pray all of the time. I pray and it seems like that God never hears me. I want to ask you, how reverent are you? How submitted are you? Are you submitted to the point where if God gives you the answer that you don't want to hear, that you'll say, okay, Lord, I know that you know my end from my beginning and that you have ordered my steps and that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord and you delight in their way. And God, whatever you say, do, that's what I'll do. Wherever you say, go, that's where I'll go. Whatever you want me to be, God, that's what, Lord, I am totally submitted to you. We like to quote the scripture, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. But the phrase right before that says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And then it said, resist the devil and he will flee from you. Submission to God. Submission to God. Luke chapter 6 and verse number 12. And it came to pass in those days that Jesus went into a mountain to pray and he continued all night in prayer to God. All night, all night long, he continued in prayer to God. Uh, now, I remember when I was a little kid, we used to have those all night prayer meetings. How many's ever been in one of them all night prayer meetings? You ever been there? It's a little bit different. Most of the time it was... Uh, on New Year's Eve, right? 
And I used to get so tickled because I was a kid growing up in church and we'd go there and they'd talk about how we're going to pray the old year out and we're going to pray the new year in. And I never understood why we had to start at 6 or 7 o'clock at night. But the food was good. So we'd have church, then we'd have chicken. Then we'd have church again and then we'd pray. And then we had what I called preacher's contest. Preachers would get up. One preacher would preach a while. The next thing get up and try to outdo him. Then the next thing get up and try to outdo him. Then you'd have someone else get up there and sing. And then another preacher would come up and get about 11.45, something like that. Everybody hit the altars and we'd start praying. And sometimes the power of God and the presence of God would come into that place. And those altar services sometimes would last two or three hours. Then we'd get up a little bit longer and, and, and somebody else would get up and they'd say, well, the sun's not up yet. And so they'd start singing some more and somebody else would get preaching some more. And before long, the sun's coming up in the morning. Lord, thank you. I'm ready to go home. <laughs> but we prayed all night long. And let me tell you something. We felt and seen and experienced the results of those prayers for weeks to come. Jesus did that. He prayed all night. Mark 1, 35, and in the morning, rising up a great while before day, Jesus went out and departed into a solitary place, and there he prayed. Matthew 6, 9 through 13, read this with me. This is the, the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray. Read this with me. Our Father, which art in heaven, read with me. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. That's a model prayer that Jesus gave to the disciples. I've preached entire series on that prayer, so I'm not going to touch it right now. We'll never get out of here. Last scripture today. We need to learn to grade ourselves. We need to learn to grade ourselves, don't we? Do we want to grow in God? What kind of Christian character are we carrying? Am I a good Christian example? What, what do my harvest look like? Do, do I have joy? Do I have the joy of the Lord, which is my strength? How God-sensitive am I? Am I hungry for a move of God? Am I hungry for revival? Am I willing to pay the price for it? What does my prayer life look like? We need to grade ourselves. Last scripture, Galatians chapter 6 and verse number 4 in the Amplified says this. But let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. He can then have the personal satisfaction and joy of doing something commendable in itself alone without resorting to boastful comparison with his neighbor. BJ, you are training for ministry. I remember the day you got saved. I remember the day you got filled with the Holy Ghost. I remember the day I got to marry you and your wife. I want you to know that God's hand is on you. But your ministry will look different than anyone else's. Moses, I remember when you walked in here. You sat right back there in the back with that big grin. <laughs> and I was teaching and there was a strong anointing in this place that, mo that morning to bring the Word of God forth with power. I was sharing it with you. I saw God clock you and just flat say, this is where you need to be for training. Your ministry will not be like BJ's. It's going to be like the ministry God has given you. Josh. Mr. Josh. Our youth pastor that I love so much. And his wife Ashley. Married for a month. Man, have you guys got a lot to learn. <laughs> Just keep loving each other. Let me tell you something. The presentation of the Word of God that God pours through you is so powerful, I don't think you even understand. 
not just saying that. Don't ever try to be anyone but Josh. You be who you are. Moses has a style that's going to work where he will pastor someday. You have a style that God has given you that is completely different than Moses's or BJ's. It is equally as powerful as theirs. You can get up and in your simple yet profound way, and that's a compliment because people tell me all the time that I'm simple. Okay. And I take it as a compliment. So I, I don't, that's how I choose to take it. In your simple yet profound way, you are going to be able to reach people that these guys will never have a prayer to reach. I'm, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. And I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. I mean it from my heart. Don't try to be somebody. Don't feel the pressure of being, you just be who you are. Amen. 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 And there's others in here that's training. We've got 24 in ministry training class. And there's others that are in here training for ministry. And that's the same thing that I want to share with you. Let every person carefully scrutinize and examine and test his own conduct and his own work. Be who God made you to be. I'll make one more statement and then I'm going to have you stand. All through my life, because I'm a Pentecostal preacher, but I'm not the screamer that most Pentecostal preachers are. All through my life, I've been accused of being less than anointed or less than Pentecostal or less than. And I felt the pressure of that for a while. Finally, one day, I decided I can't be Shambok. Shout yeah, somebody. Because even if I could be him verbatim, the best I could ever be is second best. I've got to be Jonathan. Johnny. Jonathan. That's who I have to be. And that's who you have to be. Take the pressure off of yourself to be like somebody else and say, God, here I am. I'm an open slate. God, use me. Pour through me. Minister through me that I may be able to reap the harvest that you have planned for me. Let's all stand. Grade yourself. Thank you for joining us on Working the Word. For more information, go to our website at www.suncoast4, and that's the number 4, Jesus.tv. You may also write us at 12637 Pony Lane, Hudson, Florida, 34669 or you may call us at 727-856-1770 our office hours are monday through wednesday 9 a.m to 5 p.m thursdays 9 a.m to 2 p.m and remember the word will work if you work the word